0: Jesus is risen. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do it all day long. <laughs> want to welcome you here to New Creation Fellowship on this Easter Sunday. We're glad that you're here. My name's Pastor Mark. Today we're going to look at the certainty of Easter. I don't know about you, you know, April 1st has passed a ways, but... I like try to avoid like the internet on April 1st or Facebook and all that kind of stuff because it is just crazy how many people post what they think is like funny fake news. Have you ever noticed that? And sometimes you got to read it like more than once just to make sure that it's a joke. Actually, over the past few years, we've learned that fake news doesn't just happen on April 1st, right? You see some crazy stuff. Like Alexa for pets, right? Bark and meow recognition for your cat or dog. Right? Or the T-Mobile onesie, the phone that you can wear like a jumpsuit. Right? Like people love that stuff. And I get it. You know, some of it's a bit humorous. But but then mixed in with all the April Fool stuff is the so-called real news, and now I'm wading through all of that stuff, trying to figure out what's really happening, right? Like, is McDonald's really selling one fry at a time? Because if that's true, I'm in on that one. I don't need all of those fries. And then we're here today to celebrate what some would say incorrectly, by the way, the greatest hopes of all time. From, from the very beginning, the authorities tried to demit, dismiss the resurrection story as nothing more than fabrication. It's a story that wouldn't go away. Our faith is founded on one specific historical event. Not a myth, not a legend. But, but a specific event that took place in the first century that changed forever the meaning of everything that matters. We believe that on this day, more than 2,000 years ago, a a backwoods preacher named Jesus rose from the dead. Three days before that, he died a violent death on a Roman cross that, that we remembered on Friday. His lifeless body placed in a tomb, sealed with a stone, and was guarded by the Roman centurion. And then, on Sunday morning, the Spirit of God enters the place where he laid and breathed into his nostrils. And his heart began to pound and his blood began to flow and his eyes opened wide and he stood to his feet fully alive. Wasn't a symbolic resurrection, as in as, as in as long as we remember him, isn't he in a sense always with us? That's not what we're talking about. Neither was it a spiritual resurrection where all souls moved to a high plane of existence. That's where Jesus is today. Not what we're talking about. We're talking about a physical, bodily resurrection. That he was as dead as dead could be. And now he was as alive forevermore without a doubt. And when the news of his resurrection spread through Jerusalem and the surrounding towns and the villages, the political authorities and the religious leaders had only one thing to say about it. Fake news. April Fool's. A giant hoax. It never happened. But in the following days, hundreds of people saw him in the flesh, fully alive, and they knew it was true. There are many compelling reasons to believe in the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they've been detailed in books like The Case for Christ or Evidence That Demands a Verdict. But I think one of the strongest compelling reasons to believe in the resurrection of Jesus can be seen in the disciples themselves. When Jesus was arrested, they scattered all but John. That they feared that they might be next in line, that their fate might be the same as Jesus. And the apostle Peter, you know, he, he denied that, that he ever knew him, right? Not once. But three times their response after his arrest was such a lack of courage on their part but I get it you can kind of see where they're coming from considering the circumstances right they ran in fear and they went in hiding and I'm sure they're all like hey Well, what's going to happen now? What are we supposed to do? Like, is this thing going to, like, blow over? Are we going to be safe, right? All kinds of questions. And then they began to hear the news, first from Mary and then from the others, right? Jesus is alive. And they're like, seriously, really? He's alive? And you can understand a little bit about what's going through their heads, Peter was like, I'm going to see it for myself. And so he goes and he runs to the tomb. The Bible says this in Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, right, they went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But then when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men standing by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and they bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He, he is not here, but he has Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day, and then on the third day rise? And they remembered his word, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and then all to the rest. And now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who, who were with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seem to to them an idle tale and they did not believe them but Peter Peter arose and he ran to the tomb stopping and looking in and he saw the linen clothes by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened and then in the coming days they see Jesus face to face they talk with him they walk with him they eat with him Thomas touches him Because he wanted to make sure that he was on the up and up. And in the coming weeks, Jesus appeared to his followers again and again, as many as 500 people, proving to them that he is who he claimed to be the Son of God, God in the flesh, the chosen Messiah, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. That he alone had power over death and the grave. And what happens next is that these disciples, they experience a radical transformation, right? They go from being a bunch of wimps and scaredy cats to being a bunch of warriors for Christ. They went from hiding under the cover of darkness in a secret room to boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus in the public square, What could possibly have triggered that kind of transformation? I'll tell you what, a one-on-one real-life encounter with the risen Christ. They had seen him beaten beyond recognition. They watched from a distance as he died. They knew he was dead. And then they saw him what? Alive again. And it gave them a boldness that they never had before. The authorities said it was a hoax. That the disciples stole the body and hid it in order to perpetuate the lie. And that might have been possible if the disciples were able to leverage the resurrection myth into a benefit for themselves. But the exact opposite happens, right? Almost all of them paid the ultimate price. For the message that they proclaimed, they paid with their lives. Andrew, crucified in 69 A.D. James was killed with a sword by Herod Agrippa. Philip, imprisoned in Egypt, crucified 54 A.D. Bartholomew was skinned alive, beheaded in India. The one that was known as James the Less, at the age of 94, beaten to death. Simon the Zealot crucified in 74 AD. Simon Peter, the one who denied Christ, died in Rome under the reign of Nero. And according to church tradition, the story goes that he requested to be crucified upside down because he did not consider himself worthy to die in the same manner as Jesus. Why were these men... Who once, who had been completely paralyzed by fear, suddenly willing to pay the ultimate price. It wasn't because of a lie that they made up. It wasn't for a hoax or an April Fool's joke. It was because they had a real life encounter with the risen Christ. And very few people would be foolish enough to give their lives in exchange for a lie. But when you encounter the resurrection up close and personal like the disciples did, it changes you. There are a lot of proofs that Jesus rose from the dead. And I encourage you to dig deep. Discover for yourself what what the scholars out there say about that. One of the most convincing proofs, I think, is the transformation of the disciples that took place in the following days of the resurrection. See, we believe in a historical truth of the physical resurrection of Jesus. We believe that 40 days after the resurrection, he ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of God. And as it says in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed him that the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what we believe. And more than that, we believe that Jesus is just not hanging out in heaven far away, watching from a distance. We believe that when we're saved, Jesus comes into our lives and he abides with us and he changes us from the inside out. We saw testimony of that this morning. He will wipe away the pain of the past and give you a new life. He will make you a new person, a new creation. He will comfort you in your darkest moments, strengthen you in your weakest moments. He will live with you in your heart every step of the way. I want you to know the truth of the song that we sang a little bit earlier, that I serve a risen Savior, that he's in the world today. And, and I know that he's living whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy and I hear his voice of cheer. And just at the time I need him, he's always near. Why? Because he lives. Right? He lives. Jesus Christ lives today. And he walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. Right? He lives to salvation to impart, and you ask me, Noah, how I know he lives? He lives what? Within my heart. It does us no good to believe in the historical facts about Jesus in an academic sense unless you also experience the reality of the resurrection in a personal sense. And for me, I don't know about you, I came to Christ 48 years ago. And it's not that I just had a one-time personal encounter with Jesus a lot of years ago, but rather I've encountered him again and again, day after day. The Christian life is not about adopting a creed or or taking on a new lifestyle or, or joining an organization. It's about having a personal relationship with the risen Christ. It's a rebirth in your spirit. It's about becoming a new creation. And as Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, 7, you must be born again. That's where the Christian life begins. And then after you meet Jesus, guess what happens? You adopt a creed, take on a new lifestyle, and become a member of the church, right? But don't get the cart before the horse. It begins with a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus. So if you've received Christ 48 years ago or, or whether you make a decision today for the very first time, there are three certainties of Easter on which you can build your life. Go ahead and take your note sheets out you can follow along with me as we go through these three things. Number one is you get a brand new start every day. Well, One of the cool passages of scripture can be found in Mark 16 when the angel spoke to the woman who had come to visit the tomb of Christ. It says this, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices and so that they might go and anoint him. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who who was crucified? He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that that he is joining you before Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Why do you single out Peter? Because Peter had blown it. He, he denied that he ever knew Christ in the presence of Christ. He, he was being, as he was being led away to die. And surely his guilt, his shame, Peter knew that for him it was probably all over. Even if the rumors were true of the resurrection, Peter no doubt felt that things could never be the same again. And so the angel said, in effect, go tell the disciples, but make sure, make sure you tell Peter. The resurrection of Jesus wipes away all the guilt of your sin and the shame of yesterday. Why? Because when he was crucified on Calvary's cross, he paid the price for your sins. Once and for all. And you can be forgiven of your sin every day it's why the prophet Jeremiah said Lamentations 3 22 and 23 the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end and and they are new every morning great is your faithfulness when you have a personal relationship with Christ you can know that it's like beginning each day with a clean slate right the past is past today is what a new day Second promise is you can experience peace. In the gospel of John, when Jesus first appeared to the disciples, he said this, John 20. But, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and, and as she wept, she stopped to look into the tomb, and, and she saw two angels in white sitting there uh, where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And he said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to him, they have taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they have laid him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, "Rabbi." Which means teacher. And and Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and she announced to the disciples, I have seen the risen Lord. that, That he has said these things to her. And on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked were the disciples. Uh, were for fear of the Jews Jesus came and stood among them and said to them peace be with you drop down to John 20 verse 21 Jesus said to them again peace be with you John 20 26 eight days later the disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them and although the doors were locked Jesus came and stood among them and said what? peace be with you Jesus talked about peace many times throughout his ministry. And I want you to know that as a follower of Jesus, peace is your inheritance. It is his gift to you. The risen Christ says, peace be with you. It's a resurrection promise. And the one who conquered death can certainly conquer the craziness in your life. If you lack peace in your life today, Turn to Jesus, yield to Jesus, surrender to Jesus. Everything you have, trust him with your life and let him fill your heart with peace. All right, there's a third promise and that is is that you will never be alone. Among the last words that Jesus spoke are these here in Matthew 28 verse 20 and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Many of those who heard these words would have had challenges probably beyond description. Frankly, they would die violent deaths. But he gave them the assurance that come what may, he would be with them every step of the way. If you're thinking about trying religion because it might make your life a little easier, I've got bad news for you. That's not how it works. Jesus never promised an easy pathway. But the promise he did make, no matter what you face, he said, I will be with you. And when you fail and when you fall, he'll wipe away your sin and he will be with you. When your life is filled with trouble, he'll make his presence known. And he will give you peace and he will be with you. You will never feel as though you have been abandoned. As though you have no one else to turn to. Because he made this promise. Behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. So, so here's my challenge for you today. Accept the historical truth of the resurrection of Jesus. And ask God to transform you as he did the disciples years ago. And then ask God to make real the presence of the risen Christ in your everyday life. Because this is Easter Sunday, and he is risen. I told you we're going to do this all day long. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word today. God, there are people here today that that need to begin a relationship with you. So, so God, on this Easter morning, would you give them courage just to open up their hearts and their life to you? If you're here today and and, and you want to have a personal relationship with Jesus, you you can start with just praying a a prayer with me that goes like this. Dear God, I, I want my slate to be clean there are things in my life that I know need to change. But as much as I know how I want to open up my heart and my life to your grace and to your mercy, God, today we want to thank you for loving us so much, for forgiving us. I don't understand it all, but thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me. Thank you that the tomb is empty today. And I want to invite you to come into my heart and life. And from this day forward, I will trust you to make the changes that you want to make in my life. I believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose again. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today or you're going to open up your heart and life to Jesus today, on that response card that's in the chair in front of you, if you could just check that box and let us know what, what God is doing in your life, we would greatly appreciate that. Thank you.